You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down and one, right back to Barkley in a huge hole. Saquon Barkley off to the races, and the home run hitter has gone deep here on the second play from scrimmage for the Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, how's it going? 31 days and counting until opening day as we record this. So as you get this in your inboxes. So we are starting to get closer and closer to the regular season. And to prepare for the regular season, Grump, I got to meet up with some of our crew from Section 124, Row 32, our, our, our friends who we sit with every week. I haven't got a chance to see them since the end of the 2019 season. So we had a little preseason Giants get ready for the regular season dinner, and it's great to see them. Um, you know, football is different than every other sport where football is a communal game. It's not like baseball where you sit in your house every night and you watch your team six nights a week and you just move on to the next night. Football is once a week for 17 weeks now. And it's something where, you know, it's so important every week. You think about it the rest of the week, but when you go to the game, you're with your buddies, people that, you know, this crew, they've been together now for 40 years going to games back to the old Yankee stadium. And it's, it was just a lot of fun to, to get back together and reminisce about, you know, Recent Giants, old Giants, you know, the, the bad old days with but Arnsbarger is the coach and, and all these different things. So, you know, shout out to Bruce and Ron and Gary from Section 124, Row 32, and we'll, uh, we'll be seeing you in, uh, in 31 days. Yeah, it really is uh, amazing. It, it feels like just the other day we, we saw them, and at the same time it also feels like it's, it's been – too long you know it feels like it's been a while since we've we've seen them because it has been um but but it really does make uh you know when i remember all those those really memorable moments at the stadium like i remember you know the group that i was with and you know it it, it's a big part of uh of it all you know there's there's only that collection of of games that you get to see each other there's only eight home games you know what i mean and and it only happens throughout a certain section of the year so it's it you know it's important. Yeah, I mean we talk you know when you go through the whole off season and we talk about the draft and free agency and OTAs and this and that and blah blah blah. It's just conceptual. It's it's not real. It's not tangible. But you know, getting together with 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 the guys this weekend and now you look at the calendar and we're about to have our first preseason game this weekend and you know it's the the cycle is starting. You know, football starting this Saturday and doesn't end until. You know, Martin Luther King weekend. But, you know, you take it for granted a little bit until it's after Martin Luther King weekend and there's no football until Labor Day again. So it's it's great that we're finally talking about football as in the context of normalcy. Not like last year where every week could be the last week of the season with COVID. I think, you know, we're having some issues again with, with, with the Delta variant, but I think I'm pretty reasonably certain we'll have a season. You know, pretty close to normal. We may have to wear masks again, or there may be some adjustments to this. You know, sitting in the in the stands. But I, I think we're back to normal as far as being fans and being spectators and part of that. You know, that weekly kind of march to the playoffs. I'm very excited. And you know what else is getting back to normal? The New York Giants today activated Saquon Barkley off of the PUP list. Saquon Barkley is right now the face of this organization and it has been almost a full year since he's had a football in his hands in any meaningful way um injured what week three last year week two um i think it was like halfway through week two wasn't it i believe it's week two yeah it's just it changed the season you know and for all the complaints we have about everything that happened with the offense whether it was the coaching whether it was the scheme whether it was this or that I mean, a big part of it changed because of an offense designed around having the most dynamic running backs in the league, one of those dynamic playmakers, was suddenly gone, and we were not prepared. You can't all of a sudden, you know, change everything you're doing 
on, you know, the snap of your fingers. And that's what kind of had to happen. And we suffered for it, a large part because he wasn't there. Now with this news, which I kind of caught me by surprise, I'm sure it did you, Grump, but, you know, what does it really mean? I mean, I wouldn't go overboard thinking he's going he's gonna to run the ball 32 times in opening day. Um, but at least it does allow him to practice and be ready. And that's something this fan base needed a boost of positive uh, emotion and energy. And we definitely got that. Well, here's, here's what it means. <clears throat> I mean, we, we've seen him on the side working with trainers and he, we've seen him slowly take on more and more things. And by, by that, I don't mean a workload. I just mean, you know, jogging and then running and then running and cutting and then running routes. You know what I mean? Like we've been seeing this steady progress with him. And what we know about Joe judge is that no matter how tough of a training camp he runs or whatever, he runs a measured training camp. We've seen him quote unquote ramping up guys. You know, he's getting them acclimated. He does not try to push guys who are on any sort of pitch count straight into the fire. He doesn't do that. We see that a lot. And then we see guys on the side. So what this means, right? Barkley being activated off the PUP list. They're going to take it easy with him. They are currently taking it easy with him. And like you said, I don't expect him to run it 30 times week one. But he doesn't need to be here for practice if there's any risk of, I mean, any abnormal risk of injury. I mean, they can keep him on the PUP list into the regular season. So it is clear that they are very confident in his ability to run around right now. They don't need to be. Um, you know, there's still plenty of time till week one. They can take it easier with him. I think that if there was a game on Sunday, he would be playing. That is how I think they feel about his knee. Now, they had the luxury of extra time to, to rest him, keep him on the POP list, etc. They're electing not to use that time now. So that tells me all I need to know. So what does that mean, I, I guess, from a roster standpoint? Now that he's off the PUP list, that means he's – is he taking a – is he one of the roster spots or is he not? I mean, does that mean that he's off PUP, that he can do certain drills and be involved in things that he couldn't when he was on the PUP? What, is it, what does it actually mean being on it versus off it at this point, you know, uh, recording this on a Monday in, in August? That is correct. Everything you just said. He is activating him from the PUP list, allows him to practice in team drills – um, on the field and run individual drills like with um, with his position group, sorry. Uh, but it also means he now takes up a roster spot, whereas on the PUP list he wasn't allowed to do those things, but he didn't count for a roster spot. So there's your switch. So let me ask you a question then. I guess if you're Dave Gettleman and you're Joe Judge, strategically, why would you do this now and lose that roster spot for a guy that you may want to evaluate to see if he's going to make the roster or not? Why would you do it at this point, not later? Uh, I think that they are confident in his ability to um, not re-injure himself, to participate in practice. Right now, at a you know an acclimation period, but by the end of training camp, full go, they're more worried about getting him involved in the offense because he has been away from team everything for over a year um that's understandable so I, I yeah so that's that's it, more what it is so it makes more sense to ramp him up to play in the season opener and beyond that value is much greater obviously than, than who the 50, who, who the, the 53rd guy on the roster ultimately end up being in that that all-important race for the eighth receiver on the roster gotcha makes sense um in addition o'shane ziminis was also activated off the pup list today there was a lot of no, – no, that's not true. There was a bit of a murmur of, man, the Giants are really thin at edge rusher right now because so many guys were sitting on the side. Um, you know, Ellerson Smith is dealing with like a core thing. Lorenzo Carter is on a pitch count because of his Achilles. Although he is fine, they're just – you know, they're going easy on him. He'll get – he'll go heavy one way and then – then the next day he's a little bit light. Azizo Jolari, because he's taking so many snaps and he's a rookie, he had like a day where he was put to the side, just, you know, again, pitch count. So we were looking at a really, really thin group, but it just happened to all the stars aligned at the right time, I think. You know, we have O'Shane Ziminis is coming off the PUP. Like I said, Carter, Ojolari, these guys are kind of on pitch counts, so they're going to come and go, ebb and flow. But 
O'Shane Zimenez is one of those guys, this is like a make-or-break situation for him. This preseason is going to mean a lot for him because he is not a roster lock, but has the potential to not only be on the roster, but to perform at a high level in the regular season. We just haven't had a chance to see it in a while. I mean, he was pretty much gone all of last year. Yeah, so who, because of these two moves, who got cut today? <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, one, one, Ryan Anderson, outside linebacker, got cut. That's probably a direct correlation right there because he's an edge guy. Um, Ryan Anderson is one of those vet dudes that they signed for fairly cheap. He has some production. He had some depth value, but O'Shane Zimenez is a better player. Uh, so there's no reason to keep him. Um, although that one's fairly surprising. You know, we have a lot of wide receivers whose names are cycling very, very fast. Andy Jones was on and off the roster. Now somebody else is in that spot. So, I mean, you could make an argument that there's what you can make any argument you want. But the fact is, is that Barkley and Ziminis are guys that they have activated off the POP list because they need to get acclimated into the system. And now is the time to do it, I guess. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, of note, you know, just just things that were kind of circulating around that was maybe causing some some nervousness for Giants fans, beat writers, etc. You know, Kenny Galladay had an incident where running a route, he immediately stopped, grabbed his hamstring, walked off the field a little bit gingerly. Um, his hamstring injury is thought to be not serious about two to three weeks he's going to miss um again all of these time frames are um i would say probably cautionary so they're probably a little bit longer than they need to be just to be sure hamstrings are tricky soft tissue things but he was out on the field today catching passes just not running just standing stationary and catching passes um i mean that's that's super important he is he's an important part of this offense and he has a little bit of a hamstring history too. In the past, um, he, he does. He has an injury history in general, though. I mean, a hamstring thing is not. Uh, I I wouldn't say that it, his injury history with his hamstring is a cause for concern, as if it's like a a him thing. I think in general, his just missed time due to injury is the concern. Okay. Well, yeah, right. I mean, he is, you know, that was the marquee signing on this offense this offseason. And, you know, that's the the balance of power, you know, of who's the offensive weapons. It kind of starts with him right now. And if he's gone for any amount of time, all of a sudden, guys, you know, we, we had receivers last year not in their comfort zones for where they were playing. They were playing a little out of position, guys. You know, having him kind of puts people in the right place. If he's going to miss any amount of time, we're starting already with getting people out of, out of sorts, out of position. We don't, we don't want to do that. Okay, the other important thing here is Giants fans were growing increasingly concerned about Kadarius Toney uh, for various reasons. But one of them, I mean, and this is probably the, the most real gripe I think people could have had was he just simply wasn't on the field. Um, you know, he missed a lot of time in the, in the you know, the um, voluntary workouts in the spring. You know, he was kind of there, he kind of wasn't, you know, whatever. And now training camp, and he's still kind of not here because he was on the COVID list and, and he's working on the side. Kadarius Tony is now involved in on-the-field things. So we can all kind of relax a little bit. Um, he's on the field participating. He will look good when he's ready to look good. They, this is, again, an instance of Joe Judge ramping guys up and trying not to overwhelm them by throwing them right into the full mix of what he admits is a hardcore training camp. You know, I'd be more freaked out if he was kind of being relied on like a Julio Jones, like a, you know, a surefire number one wide receiver who is going to be the focal point of the offense. And you want to get him as ramped up as possible from the day of the draft through mini camps and OTAs and everything. Kadarius Tony has the luxury that he is not the focal point of this offense as of yet. He is a, going to be a nice complimentary piece to an offense that has got a lot of weapons since last year. So if is he going to be 100% ramped up and ready to go by week one? No. As much as we'd like to be? No. Is it that critical for his long-term development on this team? No. Is this offense going to sputter 
and be missing a key cog because we're not at full firing at all cylinders because he's not 100%? No. So I think, you know, the most important thing is he's on the field now. He, We both said during the offseason before all of these miscellaneous things happened that this first season will probably be used as more specific packages, maybe some gadgets and some, you know, trickery type stuff more than just running 63 different routes, uh, the full route tree. So it's not as critical as people are freaking out for this to be right now. Kadarius Tony, it'd be a problem if he still wasn't on the field and, you know, tomorrow was the first game against Denver, but that's not the case and it's not the timing right now. So let's just see what happens. Watch what he does in, in the preseason games and see how he's being moved along. And, you know, his, his place in the offense will grow as the season goes on, and I'm not concerned about it. Yeah, I um, yeah, I agree with you. He's a rookie wide receiver. He's not getting the full playbook. He's not going to be asked to handle, you know, sixty three different routes. You know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have anyway. Even if he came in and was a hundred percent healthy, and you know, none of the other nonsense that people are trying to attach to him, the same plan would have been put from them. That's just the type of receiver is, and that's why they got him. So nothing really has changed that much. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree. He's not He's not coming out of school like Plaxico Burris to be that role. He, doesn't, he wasn't that role in college. He wasn't drafted to be that role here. There's no need for him to be that. You know what I mean? It, this is not what that's about. He he's coming here, he will be a part of this offense. He's going to be more of a part of it year after year, but he's never really going to be the number 1 anyway. So, this is going to be the kind of thing where he has a package of plays and they're going to keep expanding on it and they're not going to put him in a position to fuck up things for them. Well, he's not expected to be number 1 guy right now. Like who knows down the road. I mean, his skill set can keep improving. I mean, Grump, you and I saw him at UF for, you know, three years. We saw the exponential growth in him from what he was as a pure gadget guy in college to a legitimate receiver. You know, if he shows that dedication and that worth ethic and, you know, combination of good coaching and a good offense around him, he may one day be a number one receiver for this team. We, we, We really don't know yet. So, but for right now, it's not expected of him. That pressure is not on him. He just go out there, do his thing, and contribute to an offense we think is going to be pretty good. And we'll see what happens in year two, year three, and so forth. I mean, we don't know that Tony is going to be a number one. I won't say that he can't be, but I will say that if next year Kadarius Tony has to play a long stretch of games as our number one, how would that make you feel today if I told you that? Uh, to today, um, I'd feel better with him being our number one than Sterling Shepard would be. I think I mean, he's got a nice way of saying that you wouldn't feel that great about it, right? Well, I, I would not feel I, he is not a he's not a typical not as much a number one receiver. He's not the X guy in that yeah, position. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a question of you know. Some offenses, you know, if the best receiver happens to be a tight end, you know, it's he's still the best receiver on the team and and causes mismatches and all these different things. And so be it. I think just because the nature of the position he's going to play, he's never going to be the X. He's never going to be the outside guy, you know, stretching. He's, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be when he gets into his prime, he's going to be a much better version of Sterling Shepard. And I think everybody would sign up for that. Um, he's He's got to. Mature is not the right word. He has to get more experience and more, you know, game playing experience. I mean, drills in July are not the same as running routes against quality NFL secondaries in October, and November. So he just has to play. And then we'll make that assessment next year. We, you know, we could, I mean, did, did anybody think that this time in Odell Beckham's rookie off season, he would be, you know, all world. I mean, we all knew he was he was talented coming out of LSU, but nobody thought he was going to be what he was at the immediate impact. Now I'm not saying that Kadarius Tony is Odell Beckham, but you know, pose that question: Would you feel comfortable Beckham being number one the next year? I wouldn't be as confident as I was after the rookie year, for sure. Well, yes, of course. Um, yeah. Odell Beckham would be more the exception, not the rule. 
Exactly. Yeah. But but also but also Odell Beckham at this point in his career had a hamstring injury, hadn't practiced at all. Um, That's true. Yeah. Um, but the point I'm making here is that a lot of Giants fans also were concerned about the fact that their offense couldn't do shit last year. They seem to only be working on short passes, etc. In training camp, we addressed that on this show last week or what or whatever, maybe two weeks ago. I don't know. Uh, but we addressed all that shit. But lo and behold, you know, these guys like Barkley, Kadarius, Tony come back. All of a sudden, the offense has a couple of good days. The offense finally has a couple of good days of practice. This is not to say that this offense is going to be good or this defense is going to be bad or the defense is going to be good or the offense is going to be bad. This is just to say, just enjoy training camp without trying to extrapolate conclusions from everything. Right now, they're installing an offense. They're installing a defense. The defense reacts to the offense. The offense is orchestrated. Okay, you got eleven guys in perfect, in perfect, you know, uh, synchronization. And even then, you know, one guy screws something up. The whole play is screwed up ninety-nine percent of the time. But even if you get it right, if the right defense is called, the play is still not going to work. And then on top of all that. You still have to execute things with the ball, and there's still fluke things. It, none of this matters. The point is, everyone is trying to learn right now. This isn't. They're not trying to win games. This is not. Right. There's no they, strategy being happened here. This is just learning right now. So there's no reason to go crazy. We're running drills, and we're running, you know, seven on sevens and eleven on elevens against, you know, a defense that knows exactly what the offense is going to do. You know, it's, this isn't, they're not game planning in these things. They are running drills. Your muscle memory they're trying to build. They're trying to build. So it's second nature that I'm running this route or I make this cut here. We don't know what the nature is of any of these drills. It might, it might be something where they're trying something new. And if that results in a, a, a tip pass or an interception or something, that's the, the goal isn't the end result in these type of drills or scrimmages or anything. It's to, Build, build this team so they're ready to go on September 11th against Denver. So I know some of these teams are ridiculous. I know Jacksonville every day has this extensive thing on Twitter where they, they break down every stat and every number for every drill by Trevor Lawrence and, uh, you know, all the backups and stuff. And it's like, so what? They're just numbers at this point. They don't really mean anything because, you know, they're not building towards trying to score a touchdown and to win a game. These are drills. So, yeah, to Grump's point, it's it's nice to hear the offense is having a good day, but all right, well, you know, defenses are always ahead of offenses to start a season regardless. They're always ahead in the beginning of preseason. They're always ahead at the beginning of, of training camp to the beginning of the regular season. They're always ahead of it. So, you know, just um, – Again, we said this last week. We said it all off season. The goal of preseason, I don't want to hear anybody being carted off on a stretcher. I want these guys to be healthy. I want them to work together. I want the battles in camp to be fought. The, the best 53 guys be on the roster. Come out of it unscathed. Let's get the season started. Speaking of not getting hurt, it's worth mentioning now, Levine Toilolo tore his Achilles. He will be moved to IR. He's going to miss the entire season. Um, you know, that sucks. Uh, it is it is what it is. These things happen. But, you know, this certainly clears up that, that tight end room. You know, we, we spent enough time talking about the tight ends and how, oh, what are they going to do? Are they really going to keep four? Well, no. Now, you know, they're not so gung-ho on having four tight ends that they're going to now, you know, sign another guy to be on the roster. I mean, they might get somebody for training camp purposes, but... They're not gonna. They're not gonna sign, you know, Rice and John to the to the fifty-three man <laughs> roster just because they need a fourth tight end. So now this definitely narrows it down. It's very likely now that we're looking at getting Evan Ingram and Caden Smith and Kyle Rudolph tight end group, uh, you know, for the for the season. Although Rudolph is still not practicing with his foot injury. Did you have Ojale as your number four in that room? Levine Toilolo. Toilolo, yeah. 
you know, I had him as like a three four slash with Caden Smith. You know, I really wasn't sure. I was I was really interested in seeing how they were going to be deployed in preseason to kind of get an idea of what they were thinking, what they were looking for, what they're hoping for. To me, Caden Smith and Kyle Rudolph perfectly fit the kind of offense that Jason Garrett usually runs with his tight ends. Not so much Evan Ingram, not so much Levine Toilolo, um, but it was. I wasn't really sure. I mean, it seemed very likely that all four were going to stay and have their own role. Now I would say that it's just going to be those three guys. I would think so. Uh, and you're right. I don't think they – like you said, they may bring in someone just to do some you know, training camp reps. But I, not, any serious uh, chance to crack the roster, I, I highly doubt. So let's talk a little bit about the regular season. Today, the Giants released their uniform schedule. Um, and there's a couple of things in here. The first is the away uniforms are finally different. The, the gray pants are gone. We're white on white for now on. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you have any? Well, a couple of thoughts. First of all, I think the Giants have one of the two or three best uniform sets in the NFL. I love that they went when they went back to the old school uniforms where they're simple, not any just, you know, dated Nike logos or, or like Nike stripes or anything that you can say, Oh, that was obviously 1997. I love the classic look for them. Um, I think it's, I love the NFL because they make an event out of anything. I mean, they post on Twitter. This is the day we are going to release the schedule. They make an event for the schedule release. They make an event now for what uniforms will people wear. So, you know, the the NFL is in a battle with the NBA for younger people and attention span on social media. And this is a great way to keep yourself relevant 365 days a year, you know, with something interesting. Having said that, um, I kind of like the gray uniform, the pants. Um, sorry that they're gone. Now, the white on white is is cool. Um, you know, those are the uniforms. Those the color rush ones. There, I think they're wearing three times this year. I know two times in a row against against the Bucks. They are. Um, they're wearing it the week after Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, as long as they don't have something silly like you know bringing back the old red uniforms, which were a disgrace. Team being big blue wearing red uniforms is the stupidest thing ever. Um, I like it. I just don't. I just hope they just don't bow to pressure to be you know to do like a, a redesign in the next few years or something silly, um, and just keep them the way they are. Um. So there's a couple things in here. I I like the white pants. Um, my issue is why do our away jerseys have no blue at all? I know a- that like it's not supposed to be like your dominant color should not be dominant on them, but there shouldn't be no blue in my opinion. Well, that's the way it was back in the 50s and 60s. I think it's just a throwback to what they were. That, but if you're changing your uniform, just something to consider. Give me blue socks. Give me something. How how is big blue, white and red on the? I, I don't know. Just yeah, but they, but they work for me though. I just think they're just they're, you know, they're terrible. I don't. Hate they're clean. Them. They're clean. They're good. You have the blue helmet. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, like I said, minor minor gripe. Um, you know, week eleven, week twelve, they're wearing the color rush whites. One's an away game. One's a home game. We're doing the whites at home against Philly. That leads me to believe that they're going to do their dumb black jerseys that game. Well, what I think they should do, and I've been saying this since I've been a little giant fan, is do what they did in the 80s with Bill Parcell. When the Cowboys come in here, wear white. Make them not wear those white uniforms. They they do not like wearing their dark uniforms. They only wear them when they have to. And to me, I like mind games. I say make them you know, wear the whites at home, make them wear those other, they're either their alternatives or their dark blue ones. That's just me. Um, yeah. Uh, we're not doing that, are we? I didn't, no, we I haven't, didn't we, we haven't done that since, uh, Bill Parcell way back when. And some teams do do it. I think the Bucks did it a couple of years back. Somebody did it this past year. I, I want to say it was like, 
Arizona or someone like that. But that's what I, I absolutely would do that just to kind of get under your, you know, any type of psychological game you can play with a team to F with them. And that would be one for me. Um, they're doing a fun thing this year, week six against the Rams when they're at home. They're using what they call the 10th anniversary of the Super Bowl 46 uniform. Um, it's it's not all that different, but at the time, those were Reebok jerseys. So Nike is making kind of like a replica Reebok outfit. It's kind of strange because it's still got the Nike <laughs> logo on it instead of Reebok, but it is it is officially coined as the 2011 tribute year. Thing, and it's got the gray pants with the three stripes down the side, um, and the way. And I think that's cool. And you know, you're you're much more involved in the college atmosphere, where every week there's a different friggin' uniform combination of some kind between helmet, helmet decal, top color, bottom color, sock color. Do you mm-hmm. like this stuff? I, I know some people take it very, very seriously in the college circuit. I don't care. I mean, I there are. Color combinations I, pref- I prefer not to ever see. Like, I never, ever, 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 ever want to see a black uniform. I hate that trend more than life itself, I think. So, fortunately, Florida's never gone to the black uniform, and I don't think they ever will. Um, I just don't like it. Um, but, you know, some color combinations, you know, I – my personal thing is at home, I like to go traditional. On the road is when I think you get a little fancy. Um, I like at Florida the you know the standard orange helmet, blue jersey, white pants. I'd wear that every time for a home game unless you threw in a throwback from the '60s. Then I'm good with that. But for the Giants, I would personally at home I would always wear the standard NY helmet, the blue jersey, the white pants. I mean maybe the grays, maybe the what, the, whatever. But I. I would save the color rushes for on the road and on the road, you do whatever that's where, you know, you, you want to be, you know, a little more stylish and stuff. But to me, I don't, I don't think things are jinxes. I don't go back and say, Oh, we're nine and three when we wear the, the, the gray oh, pants versus the white pants. I, mean, I people do that. I hate that. This pisses me off because, I mean, it shouldn't because people want to waste their time. That's their problem, not mine. But we have, as a sports-watching society, evolved over a relatively short amount of time where we decided to start tracking stats, and then we expanded on those stats, and then we have advanced stats, and then we look at stats in context. And football is one of those you know, spots where... I would say in the last 10 years, advanced statistics and analytics have shown us so much and changed the game. It's changed the way it's coached. It's changed the way it's played. It's changed the rules in some respects. Um, And yet, we have assholes who waste time (laughs) taking statistics of how what a team's record is in a specific uniform as if there is any carryover whatsoever from year to year, it doesn't matter. I don't care about uniform stats. I don't care about, you know, like, lifetime stats. Like, I don't care about, like, like rivalry stats. Like, how many... I mean, we can argue about well, them well, with well, our division rivals, but, like... Well, that's the like, silly thing. It's that That's like, well, the Giants are 4-3 and three lifetime against the spread when you're playing in the snow. It's like, well, the last time the Giants played in the snow was 1974, and everybody on the team now wasn't alive. So that is a, a, a utterly meaningless statistic. ESPN, the master of making up stats to make themselves sound important with the, the win probabilities, that's all horseshit. The it, it win doesn't probability mean, isn't even a stat. doesn't mean anything. But, you know, something they, they put it on there as gospel. And then these morons who you talk to are like, well, you know, they had a 98% chance of winning this game. like, no, they didn't. ESPN made up something so it makes it sound like they're important. Stop they're it. They're just taking into account the score and how much time is left. That's all that it ever is. Yeah. And I could, yeah. This, yeah. Don't, I mean, there are plenty of things that, and you're right, and it's happened in every major sport. You know, the, the stats get more intricate. Advanced level stats, they've changed. They changed the way basketball is with three-point shot. They changed baseball with, 
you know, less small ball and more home runs. It's changed football with, you know, how the, it's more of a passing game because of, as a result of analysis of stocks, of stocks, of, of stats. Those are all good things, but let's keep it to perspective where things actually mean something. I mean, yeah. Put your energy into something useful, will you? Yeah. Um, now we're going to kind of like run through a couple of things from the past week here. This is this is now old news, but still worth talking about. Um, you know, the last episode we were talking about, you know, how great the veteran depth is on the offensive line. Well, they lost two of them. Joe Looney, who was just signed right before we recorded last week, and Kyle Fulton have since retired, in addition to linebacker Todd Davis who was kind of put in there, uh, signed just recently, uh, as well, you know, as well as Joe Looney. Those guys all retired in the same week. These are guys that are all um, veterans, but I wouldn't say over the hill. You know, they're just they're those depth guys at that depth age. They're, they were on the they were on the street when yeah. we got them. I mean, kind of. Fulton had was a starter last year. Uh, but yeah, but he was also important available. Important to note that when people are starters, does not mean that they are starters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like because they played and they started last year is not evidence that they are starting caliber material. It just means that was the position that that team was in last year. You know, Shane Lemieux was a starter last year. I don't see anybody using that as. Um, evidence that he is he should be signed elsewhere to be the starter there. He's not going to be an upgrade around the league for a lot of teams. So that's not evidence of anything, just as a starter. But, you know, these guys retired, and I have my own theory for them. We'll get to that in a second. But a lot of people around made the connection to Joe Judge's training camp and how hard they are, and there was a big fight at practice, so he made them all run sprints, and then they did some push-ups, and then they ran some more sprints, and then he kicked everybody out of practice. Essentially, whenever he said it last year in a press conference, he has no tolerance for fighting. If he catches players fighting, he kicks them out of practice. Apparently, it was a whole team brawl, so he kicked the whole team out. He ended practice early without running through some of the drills that he had scheduled for it. So, people made that connection. Um, that, And then further concluded from that connection that Joe Judge is a bad coach running a bad program that is unsustainable, doesn't work, the New England thing doesn't work outside of New England, etc., etc., etc. Okay. <laughs> These guys, all three of them, I, this is, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I'm going to give you my thoughts real quick. These guys, all three of them, are veterans in this league. They've been in training camp before. They are well aware, as is all of the football-consuming nation of what Joe Judge's camp was last year. These guys did not retire because training camp is ridiculous. They knew what training camp was going to be. This isn't news. Joe Judge's camp is not easy. Okay? They didn't retire because they don't like Joe Judge. They don't want to be in this program. Training camp is too hard. Now, I'm not saying that they won't unretire and play for another team later. What I'm saying is, I think that Kyle Fulton was signed at the beginning of this offseason, and when Shane Lemieux went down at left guard, there was no push to get Kyle Fulton in there at all. Wiggins went in at left guard. They didn't move Hernandez over to left guard, and they didn't move Fulton in at right guard to play with the ones. And I think that he values himself to the point where he thinks that I can play in this league. I should not be fighting for a ro- I may not even get a roster spot. Why am I in this training camp? Seriously. Or and, the, op- or the think- opposite. Or the opposite where they realize if I can't get this opportunity now, maybe the writing is on the wall and I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, yeah, I mean, what? Let's, let's play a game with what makes more sense. That guys would rather not play in the league anymore by retiring because a team they just signed on with ran them for extra sprints or 
they just, again, think that maybe this is the end of the road. None of these guys are in the prime of their career. None of these guys were guys that demanded to be traded somewhere else or are going to hold out, you know, looking to, you know, saying, I'm not I'm not playing under these conditions. These are guys that are older, basically were on the street, pretty much were brought in to either give reps during training camp. None of us, we said this last week, we didn't think any of these guys were ultimately even going to probably be on the team. If they were, they might have been for depth, but we didn't really think they'd even stick. Sometimes it just hits you that it's over. And I think for these guys, there's nothing more to read into it. There's nothing to do with Joe Judge, nothing to do with Dave Gettleman, nothing to do with a bad culture. It's just a bunch of guys that just randomly and independently of each other looked in the mirror and said, why am I bothering? It's over. And, you know, none of these guys had big contracts, so they're not doing it, you know, to make sure that their families are never have to work again for a day in their lives. You know, they're making, you know, good money for the average Joe, but not significant money to life altering money anymore. And he just said the hell with it. I think that's, you know, kudos to them because, you know, you want on your camp, you want guys that are hundred percent committed and you have to play this game a hundred percent committed or you will get hurt. You will hurt your team. So I'd say to them, all of them, I have no ill will towards any of them. I think that's what training camp's all about. Who are your 53 best players physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. And if you're not ready to have that battle, then you, you do what's right for you. And I think, you know, you said you have to play this game fully committed. I think committed is a really interesting word because I think part of the issue here is that this staff, from Dave Gettleman to Joe Judge to all the assistant coaches, they are committed to the young guys that they have brought in. You know, they have a plethora of draft picks, and they managed to nail a lot of them even in later rounds. You know, Darius Slayton is a late-round guy who, prior to getting hurt last year, I had forgotten how good he was playing until he hurt his ankle against Washington last year early on. Um, You know, he's a late-round guy. Julian Love is a mid-round guy playing well. Carter Coughlin was a seventh-round Tay Crowder, a seventh-round pick. Shane Lemieux, fifth-round pick. These guys are late-round picks, and they are committed because they nailed these picks. They, it appears that they've nailed these picks, and they want to continue to develop these guys. So well, look no further. Front of, go ahead. Look no further than the offensive line. I mean, look at the age and experience of all five guys across the offensive line. They are committed to a young group that they have drafted and developing them and playing them. And you could see, you know, the, the, the more experienced guys are, you know, guys coming off the bench. They're getting scrap heap guys to compete for backup jobs. But, you know, Dave Gettleman is re- his job is on the line, basically on the bet he's making on this offensive line. It doesn't matter about Daniel Jones because quarterbacks come and go. It doesn't matter about Saquon Barkley. It's if this offensive line does not develop and sucks, that is going to be curtains for him for his career. So yes, to, for your point, this team is 100% committed to the youth movement and building this team from the inside out, not having to overspend for positions where they can do it with, you know, rookie contracts and and younger player contracts well yeah i think that's i think that's it right these guys like you said todd davis is behind tay crowder on the depth chart tay crowder hasn't even been playing linebacker as long as todd davis has been in the nfl you know um and they're committed to tay crowder over todd davis you know and it just becomes one of those things where Maybe maybe it is time. You know, maybe I am the old guy. I don't think that this is anything. I think that a lot of events happened at the same time. I think that the people that are in this building, they're committed. You know, Logan Ryan signed an extension to stay here. He held a DB's practice in Florida to get everybody on the same page. He went out and recruited a Dory Jackson for this team. Now, of course, guys do that all the time to win. But they don't need to be here. Logan Ryan was on a one-year deal. He didn't need to extend to stay here. He's having a good year. He could have signed a lucrative deal somewhere else if he didn't want to be here. 
these are important things to consider when you want to jump to conclusions about why guys are leaving. These guys are leaving because they're old. They're not very good. I think you can make the argument that Kyle Fulton is probably already better than Shane Lemieux, but yet he is going to sit behind him. So I would probably retire too. I mean, if I can't make it here, I'm not going to make it anywhere else. <laughs> well, thank you, old blue eyes. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, this all comes down to narrative, and this all comes down to a lot of people, a lot of people in the fan base, a lot of people in the media who cover this team, a lot of national people who think they're comedians. They have already formed their opinion about Joe Judge and about Dave Gettleman and this organization. And they will twist like a pretzel what the facts are to fit the narrative that they have established. They don't like Dave Gettleman. I get the sense that most of the media probably has a 65-35 dislike of Joe Judge over like of Joe Judge, especially national media. And maybe that's because he's a New England guy and they just, you know, they don't like the machine that was New England for this time. Uh, you know, whatever the reasons, I'd be very curious if you did a poll on the people that are connecting all of these dots and using it to cast bad light on the Giants and this coaching staff and to see what is your what's your opinion on Joe Judge? What's your opinion on Dave Gettleman? What's your opinion on the mayors in the last 10 years? What's your opinion of this franchise? All these different things. I bet you there's a common thread across all of it. Yeah. Uh Speaking of narratives, this kind of uh, extends to a, an offhand comment that Jason Garrett made at the podium, um, basically just asking the media to address him. That was taken out of context to make it seem like he was saying, I would like to be addressed as coach, was not true, became a whole thing. Um, Look. Here's the thing. Yeah, this Jason is Garrett. There is a narrative against Jason Garrett for a bunch of reasons. You know, his time in Dallas, he was not a very good head coach. You know, we made fun of him openly. Um, well, let's stop with the stop with his time in Dallas, period. He's the cowboy coach. So a lot of people in this fan base will never get over that fact. He was the cowboy coach. So let's, let's start with he was the cowboy coach. Now we can say he was a cowboy coach who didn't win. You know, this is a, an offense last year that was very stagnant, you know, maybe partially because of his play calling, most likely because the fact that the offensive line sucked, no Saquon Barkley, no playmakers, Evan Ingram couldn't catch in, in, a, in, a, in a big spot, uh, the quarterback would fumble in, in opportune times, all of these things. So, again, it, it, this is all pushing a narrative that a lot of people have that they don't like Jason Garrett. And sprinkle in the whole Deion Sanders thing where – I personally think he was doing that to try to a little bit of a ding on Dion. Grump, you think it's more because of, uh, you know, a, a sluggish a lack of response when he was saying good morning. Right. You know, it's just, right. and his now, choice of words at that time was just coach. I mean, now I think you're being kind of a dick. You don't address other adults, professionals by trying to address them and teach them how to give manners. I think that's a little obnoxious, but, it's nothing to even waste any ink on or any, uh, you know, typing time for it. It's it's not a story, but because of the Dion thing and the fact that people just don't like Jason Garrett, this is going to get oxygen. So it's silly. Yeah, yeah, and it is silly. Personally, I'm going to hold Jason Garrett accountable on the field. I don't care. He really could have been a dick at the podium, and if he calls the best offense that this team ever has, I don't really give a shit to be honest. Hey. They, this league is littered with guys that are dicks. I mean, you're going from, you know, from Bill Belichick on down. You know, these guys are cranky, grumpy old guys who don't want to talk to the media. They rather just be in the film room and just spending their 97 hours a week watching film, evaluating, coaching, prepping, coaching games, evaluating games, all that. This is all nonsense for them as the Yankees just blew another lead as we're watching on Monday night. Good job, Yankees. Our Ray's magic number keeps dropping. But besides the point, um, no, I mean, really, again, we are, until the season starts and we can get out of silly season and get out of narrative season and get out of everything that is talking about everything else other than what we see in the game, 
we just have to deal with stories like this. We just shake our heads and you know pound our fists at the sky. It'll all end as soon as you know the opening kickoff and somebody complains about a touchback or something, and this will all be meaningless. Yeah. And you know what? These guys are all cranky and grumpy, and so are we. So be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at football underscore grump, where you can find me. You know, going through my best to stay on top of all the training camp tweets and such in real time. Catch me as always at the cranky fan where, you know, we obviously have training camp. We're talking about the giants. We're talking about my first place, Tampa Bay Rays. Who, By the time you hear this, will be starting their midweek sweep of the Boston Red Sox. You know, we're watching summer league for the Knicks and acting like it is the seventh game of the NBA finals when it is a bunch of rookies who are just out there, making highlight films for themselves. So all you Nick fans are out there like me listening to this show, please don't get on Twitter and start evaluating summer league games. It's it's less meaningless or more meaningless than watching a drill, a seven on seven drill for the giants. So just maybe just step back from the keyboard a little bit, but I'll be talking about it, of course. So catch me as always at the cranky fan. And the giants are playing against the Jets on this Saturday for the first preseason game. That's really exciting. I hope you guys are excited just to see some football in any form. I'll tell you something, Grump. I'll tell us everybody who's listening. For all of our listeners who we love so much, I'm going to have a contest. If you retweet any one of our tweets from Just Giants Pod or you give us a nice review on iTunes – for every time you do either one of those things, I will randomly select one person and I will give out a pair of tickets to this Saturday's Jets-Giants preseason game at Giants Stadium. Now that has to be the easiest contest in the history of the universe to get free tickets to a football game. And they're good seats, too. So Yeah, and Jets-Giants, I mean, it's, it's exciting. I mean, if I was in town, I'd be going myself. And I mean, if it's I the ever... first time we'd have fans at a football game in MetLife Stadium since 2019. So I know you all want to be there, and for all you people who don't have season tickets, and this might be your chance. So all you have to do is just do some heavy lifting for us, promote us, and <laughs> you might be at a Jet Giant game. What you should do is be sure to tell your friends that this show is available for free on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Anywhere where there is podcasts, ours exists. And you should also say that you know you could follow any of us on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, at Football Underscore Grump, or at Just Giants Pod. That's what should be said. I think it should go without saying. <laughs> All right, everyone. We will have a, an episode next Tuesday where we go over the Jets Giants game that hopefully. Two, well, that definitely two very lucky people got to go to. So we will see you then. Until then, go, go Giants. Giants.